Yes, yes, our God is great, glorious, good, and gracious. And in these uncertain times, we stand without hesitation in God's sovereignty, peace, and security. Like, amen. I love that video. Amen. And in these uncertain times, what we're going to do in the next little while is we're going to look at a number of, uh, of the miracles of Jesus. From now, like, into well into the summer, we're just going to look at miracle after miracle as we look to Jesus, our great, glorious, gracious God, to do the same things among us. He is still doing the miraculous for his followers. And what better way to kick off this series than with Jesus' first miracle where he turned water into wine at that wedding in Cana. And what's with Jesus making alcohol for his very first miracle? Have you ever asked that question? I have. Let me read the story to you. We get it from the Apostle John. It's in the second chapter of his gospel. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been also invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? And, and by the way, the word woman there doesn't sound as harsh. It's not as harsh as it sounds to us. It's really a term of endearment. Jesus replied, Woman, my hour has not come yet. His mother said to the servants, just go do whatever he tells you to do. Nearby uh, stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Let me translate, I think that's about 100 liters. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Weddings, they're a big deal. They are now and they always have been. Come on, some of you girls, I know this is a stereotype, but some of you started planning your wedding from like when you were age three, right? That's true. Some of you have told me these stories. And pastors like me, we're supposed to take weddings like real seriously. As a pastor, you can't be the guy who makes a mistake or blows it. I mean, that is almost an unforgivable sin. I remember one of my first weddings. It was at the wedding practice, and I wasn't really thinking things through carefully enough, and, and I mixed up the sides that the groom and the groomsmen are on from the side the bride and the bridesmaids are on. When you're looking forward from the front of the church and the groom and the groomsmen are, are on the right and the bride and the bridesmaid are on the left and I put the guys on the wrong side. Then as the bride came forward with her father in this practice, I, I knew that something wasn't right. But nobody was saying nothing, like nobody. I mean, it was a practice. They could have said something, but nothing. Finally, I blurted out. I got it. I went, whoa, 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 I got this all backwards. And some people laughed, and some people didn't know what the issue was. But we got it all fixed up. Try it again. But if we had gotten to the wedding day and not corrected that error, there would have been a few upset people. 
Because weddings, they're a big deal, and they've got to be done right. They have to be done left and right correctly. And weddings back in the days of Jesus, they were a big deal, maybe even a bigger deal. Back in those days, the, the wedding wasn't a few hours like it is today, you know, with today's short ceremony, followed by a, a, an evening, longer evening reception. No, in the days of Jesus, they would travel from far and wide. They would walk or they would ride on donkeys for great distances. Jesus and his disciples, it took them two full days to get to this wedding. But then, when you got to the wedding, it was like worth the walk because it was like a, a, a multi-day, a, a week-long event. It, it was a huge celebration full of eating and a lot of drinking and a lot of dancing and just good times in general. Now, at this particular wedding that Jesus and his disciples had been invited to, a, a huge problem came up and, and they ran out of wine before the banquet was over like this. This is a huge catastrophe. By the way, it could be the groom or usually the groom's parents who paid, not the bride's parents back in those days. And you sure didn't want to look cheap. And I'm pretty sure they kind of had wedding planners back then too. And, and when you plan the wedding, you usually have a good estimate of how much wine you're going to need. There were probably standard calculations that go with all of this. But someone either blew the calculation or more likely this crowd. Yeah, this crowd might have just been above average in their wine intake. This crowd blew through the wine a whole lot faster than had been expected. It probably says a little bit something about the crowd, and this is a crowd that's pretty close to uh, Jesus' family. So just try to wrap your mind around the picture. Jesus, his mom, and a wedding crowd that has blown through all the wine, and they're looking for more. And I love this. Jesus' mother, Mary, she steps in. If they've run out of wine, Jesus, you got to get more wine. And Mother Mary, she, she just wants to protect the family who's throwing this party, who are now so embarrassed by what's happened, like this is a big deal, it's full of shame. And the crowd, they're, they're starting to grumble. And Mary says to her son, hey, Jesus, they have no more wine. And she's not just making a matter-of-fact statement. No, no. She's pointing her son, she's pointing her, the finger at her son, and she's saying, this is big. This is important. I want you to solve the problem. Because Mary knows who Jesus is, and, and she knows what he's capable of doing. But Jesus, he pushes back on his mom, and he says, hey, I haven't done any miracles yet. My time to do that hasn't come yet. It is not my time. And Mary, she doesn't take no for an answer. She just turns to the servants who are there and gives them the order, do whatever my son tells you to do, boom, and she walks out of there. So the servants, they go to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, see those six stone jars there, those water pots? I want you to fill each of them with water. And they fill them, and John tells us they filled them to the brim, like right to the top, and then Jesus asked for a cup and uh, to serve it, you know, a cup of that water turned to wine and serve it to the master, the ceremonies for his approval. And then they started serving it to the guests. And as each cup was poured, really, it was a miracle. The water came out as wine. So here it is. Jesus' first miracle. It's a behind-the-scenes miracle that, that met a huge need that popped up in the middle of a wedding. 
And why is this Jesus' first miracle? Well, it's a very ordinary, everyday family and community celebration. It's a party. I mean, Jesus and his friends are all there. It could be that Jesus is all about doing miracles in the common everyday circumstances that we live in, that when a mess turns up, when a problem turns up in the middle of our ordinary everyday lives, Jesus is willing to help us miraculously get through it. I mean, why didn't Jesus start with something better, like raising the dead or some other spectacular healing? No. He simply turned water into wine so that the party could go on, so that everybody could continue to have a good time, so that the family, the family who threw the party, so they, they would not be embarrassed and shamed. Because part of who Jesus is, he, he just wants to meet our needs that turn up and get messy in the midst of ordinary everyday living. Think about that. Jesus just turns up to help. He helps at weddings and parties. And maybe, I think there's another thing going on here as well. This miracle has a lot to do with people's expectations. The guests at this wedding had traveled a long way and they expected that there would be plenty of food and drink. Even Jesus' mother had expectations that when they ran out of wine, she expected Jesus would do something about it. She expected that Jesus would care for this embarrassed family who threw the wedding banquet. And Jesus is going, no, no, it's not my time yet. And his mom, she looks him square in the eyes and she says, son, it's go time. I have expectations of you. You go do it. I mean, Mary, she's like, listen, Jesus, you're 30 years old. You're still living at home. You brought five more guys home with you. I'll tell you what, it's time. It's time for you to get going. It's time for your public ministry to start like today. And with that, she walks away knowing that Jesus will do what he's told and there will be no more arguing. And Jesus goes and does exactly what his mother has told him. He's 38 years of age, but mom, she's still mom, right? I love this miracle for so many different reasons. This is a miracle about Jesus showing up at a wedding at an everyday event. It's about expectations, what the people expected. And Jesus steps up, meets those expectations by doing something great, by doing something miraculous. And what I'd like to suggest to every person listening right now is that like that wedding day, today could be a day that Jesus does something great in your life because he's still doing miracles. He's, he's still making wine. But first... Here's what I want you to see. This is, this is the part of the message that you might not like, okay? Sorry. So often things in our lives, so often our circumstances get worse before God makes them better. Things may get worse before God makes them better. I know, I know. We're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Oil prices have collapsed, making things a little rough in our city here. And then, you know, a flood that many of you are still working through. Some of you still have not sorted through the wildfire of four years ago. And Doug, you're telling me that things could get better before God will make them? I mean, that things could get worse before God will make them better? Hey, you see that all the time in the Bible. Joseph... He had to go to prison before he could be lifted up to a leadership position in Egypt. David, he had been promised that he would be the king of Israel. In fact, he was anointed to be king of Israel. 
But well before he got anywhere near the throne, he had to hide out in cold, dark caves, fearing for his life. And the apostle Peter, he, he had to fail before he could experience God's grace. He had to fail before uh, he would get to preach and see 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus on, on that Pentecost day. And you see it all the time, really. I mean, it's happened in my life. I suspect it'll happen in your life that sometimes things get worse before they get better. I mean, Jesus himself had to die on the cross before he could be resurrected. Jesus had to die before he could extend to you and me the forgiveness of our sins and give us the gift of life that starts now and goes on forever. Things got pretty black for Jesus before they got better. Right now in Fort McMurray. A lot of us are experiencing things going from bad to worse quickly. We are out of wine. We are running on empty. We are out of finances. We don't have a job. Our, our relationships are stuck, broken, uh, non-existent maybe. It's a bit dark for many of us. But listen. Listen to what God's word says to us. Listen to what the apostle Peter would tell us. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, catch that. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When will God restore you, strengthen you, get you through this? After you've suffered a little while. He will heal you after you've suffered. He will do the miracle after in this broken, sin-wrecked world that we all live in, suffering and pain is guaranteed. Jesus promised it. In this world, you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus, for that great word of encouragement. And it's in the middle of this world full of trouble that a lot of us, you and me, are living in right now. The wine has run out. We're at the end of our rope. We, we have run out of hope. We, we've run out of options, and some of us are saying, I, I don't even know if I can keep going. But on the other side of this, friends, on the other side is God and his promise that he will restore you, that he will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The promise is, is that after we've suffered a little while, our God, he'll show up, and, and he'll get us through this. He, he will make us better. And we will get to the other side much, much stronger than we are now. But you know, it means putting our hope and our trust in him. When the wine runs out, when we're at the end of our rope, we, we have to look up to Jesus. Friends, don't lose hope. What, what Jesus did at that wedding, he will do for you, but you first have to look to him. You know, so many of us, we, we, we want to try and solve all our problems ourselves. So many of us, we only look to ourselves, maybe a few friends, but generally to ourselves. And we put all of our hope in our own ability, our talents, our resources. But admit it, you're running out right now. The wine has run out. Okay, there's another scene in, in this story, and I love this too. When the water that Jesus has turned to wine, is brought to that master of ceremonies for his approval before it's served to the guest. I mean, he is dumbfounded by what he tastes. It is awesome. He, he says everyone brings out the choice wine first, but the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. I think you get the picture, right? 
at this point, all of the guests, they're feeling pretty good and they don't really care as much. Then you bring out the cheap stuff. And so this master of ceremonies is amazed that the new batch is not cheap. It's the best. It's amazing. It's real good stuff. Here's the principle. Jesus saves the best for last. God's best is coming. Friends, don't lose sight of that. Don't, don't lose hope. His best is coming. Hang on. He's going to show up and, and it's going to be good. Jesus saves the best for last. And the Apostle John, he, he picks up on this theme of how lavishly and powerfully Jesus will work in our lives. Later in his ministry, Jesus says this to his followers. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy, your joy will be complete. As you're running on empty, as you have all of these expectations that are not being met, Jesus is saying to you, ask. Ask in my name, and let me bring the joy back to your life. I believe that for some of you today, if you would ask, I believe it could happen for some of you today. For some of you today, as you ask, God is going to take away a lot of your stress and replace it with joy. He's going to work a miracle in the middle of the ordinary, everyday circumstances of your life where a little mess has entered in. He's going to replace that stress, that pain, that hurt, that confusion with his joy. But the first thing you got to do, you got to ask. It starts by asking. Because the miracle comes when we put our trust in God, knowing that he wants to show up in our lives. Back to the story. When we ask, I think when we ask, we also need to listen. We have to listen to what he speaks to us, how he's leading us. Jesus' mother, she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. There's a principle here, I think, that we need to grab hold of. When we ask, we also have to listen. And whatever God speaks into our lives, we got to do. When we read the Bible and God, you know, points his finger at us as we read, we got to do it. Friends, that's like putting our faith into action. That's doing as God leads us. It's as the Apostle James said, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's not enough to just listen to a message like this and get a bit inspired. You, you can say you believe all day long, and lots of people do that. There are lots of believers out there, lots of believers out there, but not as many who put their faith into action, right? And if you are not willing to put action to your faith, then your faith is dead. Faith without action is dead. Friends, you, you cannot cry out to God and ask for his help while you're totally ignoring what he says to you in the pages of the Bible. You know, as he whispers to you a word that lines up with what he says in the Bible. And when you think about it, listening to God and following through on what he says, that's not unreasonable. Now, hear me. I am not saying you earn God's favor by what you do. You don't. You don't earn God's grace or favor. You can't earn a miracle. But your faith is not real if it's not accompanied by action. 
You cannot expect God to respond to your need when your faith is only words. Faith means that you are seeking God so that you live and love more and more like Jesus. Faith that does not live and love like Jesus is dead. But when you ask with faith, faith that is accompanied by action, friends, it's powerful. Hey, I get it. Many of you listening to this message right now, you, you feel the weight of the world pressing down on you. You feel it. There are unmet expectations with your job. This COVID-19 thing has you down. For those of you who are flooded, the, the weight of that is just overwhelming. For some of you, there are unmet expectations with your family, your kids, your spouse, and you're just hurting today. Will you make today the day that you look to Jesus to be your solution, your provider? And as you look to him, will you listen to him and, and, and accompany your faith with actions? As you pray, will you read God's word? And as you read God's word, will you listen for his voice and just do as he says and go and live and love like Jesus? Hey, for those of you who are feeling the weight of disappointment, of unmet expectations, those of you who have run out of wine, you need God's help. You, you really need God's help. And he wants to give it to you. And so I, I want to pray for you that you'll get that help. And, and I'll, I will pray for you in a minute, but I, I really want to encourage you as well. I have a, an ask of you. Would, you. would you message me, email me at connect at fortcitychurch.ca and, and tell me, please tell me, how can I be praying for you? Would you do that? Would you ask for prayer? And again, if you have a need, would you let us know? We want to be there and help, help you do what we can and come alongside of you and pray. But before I pray, I, I want to give you one last verse, a, a, a verse of praise and worship, what we call a doxology. These are the words of the Apostle Paul about our great God who wants you to ask him to fill you with new wine. Paul worships God and says, Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And with that great word of praise to our Lord God, would you join me in prayer? Father God, right now we just ask that you would show up. We ask that you would, that you would work a miracle. For those who have run out of wine, for those who are at the end of their rope, would you work a miracle in their life right now? Would you, would you do it and do it big? God, lead us in what we should be doing. Not to earn the miracle, just that we might be living by faith. Whisper to us steps that you would have us take. Lead us in the faith that is active, faith where we live and love like you. And, and even if things get worse, Jesus, our faith is in you. We are keeping our eyes on you. We, we are trusting that you will get us through this better and stronger. We know. We know that you will make a way through this. So would you show up right now in a way that we actually experience your powerful, loving presence? Do something great right now. We all pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.